DW. This town, they make the grasshopper to, to come out like that, you see. When they hear the sound, like you see, oh, you see, I catch it, I catch it, after that, I put inside the hands, till the hands make full. After that, I can go to throw inside the plastic. It's, which means I say it's our meat. It's our meat, this grasshopper. Ivan Wima lives in Bolobedo South in Limpopo province in South Africa. Using a leafy branch to tap the plants that grasshoppers hide in, he then catches them quickly as they jump. Here, the rolling green hills are not just full of modern avocado and pine farms, but also a hidden pantry of edible insects. You just need to know when, how and what to catch and eat. That's exactly what zoologist Bronwyn Egan, who works with the University of Limpopo, is here to find out. She works with people in the area to catch different kinds of edible insects and then genetically and scientifically categorize them. Her aim is not only to protect traditional knowledge and the biodiversity surrounding the insects, but also pave the way to them being used more as a sustainable food source, as they require far fewer resources than other sources of protein, like beef. Today, Egan is meeting with Martin Wimmer, a relative of Ivan Wimmer, who is capturing grasshoppers. Martin Wimmer works with several people in the area to collect specimens. He also owns a business that is set to start selling termite protein bars. Since I, I was born, I've been eating insects almost every week because from the time that I know how to grab them, it's where I was collecting them myself and then fry them, eat. People in this area, like Martin Weimer, know a lot about the insects from where to find them and how to catch them to the seasons each one appears in. Mopani worms, the large, squishy, edible caterpillar of a type of emperor moth, only appear around December till Good Friday, Martin says, but they are often dried and then eaten year-round. So each kind have got their own way to cook for the termites, and they are very easy to cook, and they are very nice, because some of them you can fry, like grasshoppers, you can just fry them and then eat. Termites you can cook and then fry, or maybe you can just dry them and eat them raw, like that. With cars driving through the nearby village and people chatting in the background, we gather around a busy table. Wima and Egan kindly offer me some mopani stew, cooked over a wood fire, along with some grasshoppers and termites. Ever tried the dried termites? No, this one. The crunchy grasshoppers are my favorite. So if you're gonna eat an insect, those other ones. Okay. <laughs> they taste really good. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's crunchy. Yeah. I like it. That one's good. Yeah. Yeah. These are pretty good. They are very good. Martin Weimer is very enthusiastic about the insects and wants everyone to be able to enjoy them and learn about them. But he has also noticed that they have been disappearing in some areas, most likely due to building or farming, he believes, and are harder to find. So we have to know that those insects are very important to our culture. We can live because of them next time. So we have to take care of them. We have to look after them so that next time 
we can be wealthy. <laughs> it doesn't just mean monetary wealth. The insects bring value as a healthy, cheap source of protein, and he wants to make sure that they're always around. And importantly, they also add to the biodiversity of the area. That's where Egan's work comes in. After she catches specimens with Martin Weimer and other field workers, she hops into her small white car and drives up the mountain pass to her home in Heinertsburg. In her office, she preserves the samples in alcohol to be genetically barcoded. This involves sequencing a short, unique identifier for each species. Traditional names and knowledge about use are then added to the entry. Documenting life on our planet is really important. It's being lost so rapidly. We don't even have names for all the things that are being lost on a daily basis. That, and you cannot conserve something that doesn't have a name. If you don't know the natural distribution of an insect, for example, then if that distribution range shrinks, you're not, you're not going to have known. You're not going to realize that it is shrinking for a start, so you won't be able to put in measures to stop that. Scientific categorization is the first step of further work around these insects and their environment. A name and genetic barcode makes them accessible to researchers and conservationists, along with those who might want to commercialize edible insects. It's also the basis of understanding for how climate change, overutilization, farming and other human activities affect these animals and the people eating them. The geneticist Egan works with, Barbara van Asch, is a senior lecturer at the Stellenbosch University Genetics Department on the other side of the country. She says that they already found nine species traditionally used for food within a small part of the Limpopo region alone. It's actually the most basic level of information that's missing here. It's not missing because the communities recognize the species and they understand that uh, they are different from each other and they have specific roles. But in the mainstream scientific community, that gap is not bridged. The information Egan and Van Asch collect will go into databases like the Barcode of Life data system, which is a global library of genetic information for various species that aims to protect biodiversity. It can be accessed by researchers, disease control specialists, conservationists and others. Scientists like Van Asch, who describes the system as a workbench, hope to positively impact the communities that have offered up their traditional knowledge. Van Asch explains that she would love to find funding for households in areas like the Wimmers to start a pilot project farming insects. African species have been, in, in Africa in general, we've been underrepresented in science in many, many ways. And one of them is that the flagship species, the big five, attracts a lot of attention. But then the tiny five and the tiny five million and the tiny <laughs> five billion of species that we have in this amazing uh, variety of ecosystems have been poorly described. So the edible insects, in my view, are a dream project because it may help the communities, it may help solve a problem, and it also contributes to the description of biodiversity, hopefully before it disappears. From Van Asch's lab with her sequencing machines to Egan's house with notebooks scribbled full of traditional names of insects, 
It all comes back to the insects in the rolling hills of places like Bolubedu South and the people who know and eat these insects. From Limpopo, South Africa, I'm Elna Schütz for DW. DW. 